108. All glory, laud, and honor. About this, this, this temple. Thank you. 
Colossians, having given you a little bit about uh, the prayer of Psalm 102, a prayer that is like an ER situation, we come to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Now this message is so special, you've never heard it before. And Colossians chapter 1 has never been taught on before, so this is a unique night. I'm just kidding. What are you looking for? The pocket mic's on. No, nothing. Nothing. Alright, Colossians chapter 1. Now, there are different kinds of praying, and I'll just tell you what they are in three simple ways. Number one, there's public praying. There's praying in church. There's praying when you're called upon to pray. Usually it's a guy called upon to pray in a church service of mixed people. And uh, so that is a public prayer. Uh, when Solomon prayed, when the temple was dedicated, he prayed a long prayer. And so in Matthew 19, then were there brought unto him little children that he should put his hands on them and pray for them. So there's public praying, praying in public, praying in church. Usually people who are praying in church publicly are people who have prayed before and they are used to praying to that, uh, like that. And so you would never be caught upon to pray if you never prayed publicly before. I would never embarrass anybody. And so um, sometimes I'll ask, would you like to pray uh, before the Sunday school starts? Would you like to pray before church starts? And if they say, oh no, no, I'm too shy, I wouldn't ask them to go anymore. I just wait till they grow up some more. Then there's private praying where you pray two or three together. Where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. And so you have that kind of praying. Private as opposed to, you know, you know, a crowd of people praying. And then you have, of course, personal praying when you're alone. Let me read some verses to you about personal prayer. Uh, in Luke 9, 18, it came to pass as he was alone praying. That's about Jesus being by himself to pray. Luke chapter 9, verse number 18, private praying. Then there is Mark 1, 35. In the morning, in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. So there is private praying and there's very personal praying with it's just you and God praying, communicating to each other. 
And then in Psalm, uh, uh, Psalm chapter 5, verse number 3, it tells us this, My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up. So there's prayers that are private, personal, personal prayer. It's done by yourself between you and God. And now we have uh, here a pattern in the morning. Another one, this is, you never guess. It's in the evening. Psalm 63, verse number six. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. So you have praying that is public. You have praying that is private. You have praying that is very personal. And in the personal one, you can pray in the morning. There's another verse to talk about in morning, noon, uh, and night. I will lift my voice unto thee. But then you have morning and evening prayer for sure. Private praying, personal praying. Those are all good kinds of ways to pray. And then when you pray, you can pray for other people. Pray for other people. Now we looked at Psalm 102 where you pray for yourself. It's not selfish to pray for yourself. It's not selfish to pray for what you need, what you want. It's not selfish at all. I mean, after all, why do people pray? We pray because for many reasons, but one main reason for praying is to asking God for something. You're asking God to help you personally. And if God cannot help you personally, then that would not be a real good situation in a relationship between you and a God who is alive and he doesn't hear your prayers. So praying to an idol does not help you uh, at all. Praying to someone else who's a saint even, or someone in the Bible, a Bible character. Praying to Bible character does not help you. Praying to Mary does not help you. Praying to Peter, the so-called first Pope of Rome, he will not help you. There is a saint that is a saint of protection. St. Christopher, people go into the water to swim, uh, like at Alma, they will cross themselves and they'll have a statue, not a statue, but a chain with a little thing about St. Christopher. St. Christopher, the patron saint of protection, well, praying to him will not protect you, but praying to God will. Praying to God will. And so those are personal and very private prayers. You can pray for yourself, but in Colossians chapter 1, uh, here's what God desires for his children. It's important to see what God wants for his children, those who are born again. It's important to know what God wants for them. And so, uh, Charles Stanley had some good thoughts about Miranda shared it to me. And I'm going to take that as a little bit of tonight, but also add some things about that. So, praying for others. Colossians 1, we looked at, uh, we did not look at yet. Colossians 1, verse 9 through 14. Let's go there. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. I had some, did I have some coffee? Yes, I had two cups of coffee today, and I'm just feeling agitated, like talking so fast like I'm on something. I'm not Carlton drinks coffee, he doesn't get agitated. He's always agitated. Without coffee or with coffee. <laughs> Colossians, <laughs> Colossians chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse number 9. We'll begin there. 1, 9. Here's what Paul prayed for and what he desires uh, for us to pray for. In essence, what God wants us to pray for. What God desires for his children. Chapter 1, verse number 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now you heard tonight a request made I need God to give me wisdom. Well, it is God's desire for his children to have wisdom. And he says, 
For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, of your conversion to Christ, did not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So what what God desires for his children to know is to know his will for them. To know his will for them, he desires that. And in all of these things, he wants us to be stronger. He wants us to be strong and stronger. Uh, John prayed, the apostle prayed for his young men. He said, you are strong. Young men, you are strong through the word which is in you. And so a good father wants his children to be strong. Would that be correct? That is true. Now, a good father wants his kids to grow up physically strong and mentally strong, emotionally strong, and spiritually strong. All of those things make up a person. If a man is only strong physically, he's only part of a person. He's just strong physically. If a person is strong emotionally, but not strong physically, he can't care for himself, he's only strong partially. If a person is strong spiritually, but not strong emotionally, not strong physically, that's partially being strong. God wants us to be strong in all aspects of life so that our life is a good life. Our life is a life of continual growth and continue to be stronger than before. And so to be stronger, he wants us to know what God wants for us, filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So it is important for us to grow spiritually so that we can discern what God wants us to be and what he wants us to do. He wants us to make decisions that are good decisions that are in his will. And so sometimes uh, making decisions can be very scary if it's a big decision. Sometimes if it's a small decision, there's not much thought behind it. Like, what clothes should I wear today? Well, who thinks about that? Not many people think about that. Now, you and I may wear certain clothes for work because it's a uniform or because it's what the appropriate attire would be. Uh, I know in school, public school, there's no dress code. Uh, I don't know if any schools have a dress code or not. But uh, if a school has no dress code, people wear anything they want to. There's not much thought behind it, it seems like. And uh, yet, uh, there are some small things. You just do it without thinking much about it. For example, tomorrow morning, you're going to have breakfast. What do you think about eating? Well, whatever's there, you think. <laughs> There's not much thought about it. And sometimes don't think about things, and we just do it. Um, what are you going to eat today? Uh, just whatever. We don't think much about things. Where are you going to go today? I don't know. You don't think about it. Sometimes it's not wrong to not think about things because it's just a routine for you. Um, sometimes you should think more about it because it's a little bit more important. Sometimes you should really think about things, really pray about things because things are really important. So there are levels of importance. There are degrees of seriousness and importance. Um, so you have to have discernment. You have to have wisdom. You need to have God give you some wisdom, understanding of his will. Sometimes it's better to just wait if you're not sure. Because as a matter of fact, the more important something is, the bigger it is, the more the consequence is, the more you are patient with it. But there's not much seriousness, serious thought about uh, pepperoni pizza or just cheese pizza. Not important. Okay? Hot dog. Lord, help me. What Should I put lettuce, tomato, or is that just for the hamburger? Should I put mustard, ketchup, uh, onions? What's the other green thing? Relish. You don't have to even pray about that. There's no consequence of that except how you like it. But other things are more important. I need to buy a car. What kind of car? Oh, you need to pray about that. Or I need to do something else that's really important. Okay? That has longer consequences. You want to be careful. 
that you seek God's will. Get some counsel about that. Get someone to pray with you and for you about that. You want to be uh, knowing what God wants for you. So he says, fill with the knowledge of his will. And is the will of God bad for you? No. Is the will of God scary sometimes? Yes, because we don't know. But sometimes we don't really want God's will because if he tells us what it is, we may not want to do it. Sometimes we say, God, show me your will, and then we want to approve it or not. Lord, show me your will, and I'll see if I want to do that. No, maybe God won't show you because uh, he knows that, you know, you, you'll say, no, I don't want to do that. It's too hard to do. But uh, you do want to know God's will, and he wants you to pray like that. Then he says in verse number nine, for this cause, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not seek to pray for you all and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Verse 10, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. The second thing he wants us to be strong in, the second thing he wants us to grow in still is to know the real motive of life. The real motive of life is living to honor their Lord. The real motive of life, know the real motive for living. It is to live a life that is to honor the Lord. That's the kind of life that has meaning, it has purpose, it has real, real deep satisfaction to it. When a person knows his purpose for living in life, and he says, fill the knowledge of his will, that you might walk worthy, walk worthy. Um, so walking worthy really is about knowing what your father expects of you, your heavenly father, and trying to live up to that expectation. Sometimes when people have an expectation imposed on them, it makes them do something that they really don't want to do, but when they do it, they feel good about that. And when they're done doing this, they look back with pride because they were made to do something that if they had a choice, they wouldn't do it. But because they did it to honor the person who asked them, they feel good about that. And so the benefit that you have when you uh, do what God wants to do and you live to honor Him as your motivation, you look back, you say, I'm glad I did that, even though that was difficult. And so that's how that works out. The real motive of life is living to honor the Lord. And if that is a principle that you learn as a Christian, and he wants you to learn that, then it's easier to know what's right and what's wrong. Should I, shouldn't I do this? Well, if you do this, will it honor the Lord if you did this? Well, if it doesn't, then you shouldn't do it. Well, if I go to a place that's questionable, um, I wonder if that's right or wrong. Well, if, will it honor the Lord if you did that? No, if, it, if not, then you shouldn't do that. Uh, I remember a lady one time asked me, uh, pray for me because I need a second job. And I said, okay. Uh, she said, things are really tight. I said, I understand. And uh, what are you trying to, uh, what, what are you looking for? She said, I'm going to work at a hostess bar in, on Kelmoku Street. She was working as a, uh, as a server in a restaurant, which is now closed on Alamona Boulevard. Uh, I can't think of the name, Carlton. It's shut down for renovation or something like that, right on Alamoana and uh, Holbron Lane, right around there. Anyway, well-known establishment for many decades, and she was a server there. And uh, but she had to make more because of something in her life and you know, very personal stuff. But she said, "Pray about that." I said, "Well, where you want to work?" And she said, "Oh, I, I think I might get an opening." I said, "Well, you really want to do that?" I said, "Not a good environment for you to be working in." And so she prayed about that, and. Uh, she, she made the right decision. She didn't go there. So that was a good thing. The real motivation of life is to live and to honor the Lord. And then he says in verse number 10 again, being fruitful in every good work. Being fruitful in every good work. 
Well, that fruit bearing is a lot of things. It could be the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5. That would be a good thing to bear some fruit of the Spirit. But fruit bearing, he says, in every good work. What is every good work? Being fruitful in every good work. Well, if you are not in Christian ministry and you're in secular work or non-Christian work, could that work that you're doing also be good work? Could you make something that you do that's not church work or for the Lord specifically, could that be also good work? Can you make secular work good work? Can you make what you do that's not related to church good work? Yeah, you can. It's, it's just how you look at that. It's what you think of yourself, uh, the purpose as to why you're there, to, to honor the Lord, to bring glory to Him, to um, show Christ-likeness in how you behave yourself at work. That all is good work, and you should look at that as fruit-bearing. You know, if you, if you bear fruit, sometimes you don't even know that you're bearing fruit because it takes time to bear fruit. Sometimes you're planting seed and then it grows up later on. Then you see the fruit later on down the line, maybe weeks or months, even years after that. But it's not just spiritual work, church work, that where you can bear spiritual fruit. It's also in any work that you do, you bear fruit by your testimony. But how you conduct yourself, how you are honest and on time and you do your job well because you're serving Christ and you're honoring Him with your life and with your work and it's a noticed thing and it's a, an appreciated thing and people think well of you. It's very important that people think well of you when you're working as a Christian. You may not say you're a Christian or you may have said to some co-worker that you are a Christian. Regardless, you do your work as best as you can. You serve as if you're serving Christ yourself or Him. So your employer is such and such but you're really serving Christ through your employer. And when you have that kind of attitude, you do a real good job, and you are bearing some kind of fruit. You're bringing, you're bringing profit to the company because they like coming because you're such a good employee, and, and so on. And I hope you understand the principle there. So fruit bearing. Whatsoever you do in word and deed, Colossians 3.17 says. Whatsoever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so that's a big area. Whatever you do in word or deed, that covers a lot of territory. Whatever you do, school teacher, private school teacher, Christian school teacher, pastor, um, non-pastor, mechanic, carpenter, whatever someone does, it's a big area. Whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, Colossians 3.17. And so secular work can become spiritual work if you have that frame of mind. All right? Then it says in verse number 10, increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing in the knowledge of God. When Paul tells the Colossians that we're praying for you. Here are the things he's praying for them about. And these are some things you can pray for people about too. You want them to have these qualities in their lives. He says, increasing in the knowledge of God. So physical development comes to an end. Physical growth doesn't go on forever. Because as you're growing physically, you come to a certain point where that's as tall as you'll be, unless they stretch you. They put a rope around here and they pull your neck and they stretch your neck. They do that in Africa. We see this picture of African women. They have a long neck with all these rings around the neck, like about one foot, like that. It's been stretched. They've been, uh, to me, that's harmful. <laughs> but they've been stretched. And so um, we stop growing physically. We come to a place of, okay, that's all you're going to be. It's in your DNA to be six feet tall. It's in your DNA. It's genetic that you only be five, five. There's nothing wrong being 5'5 five, five or 6'10. The 6'10 person gets more intense because he's taller. 
The five five person doesn't get much attention because he's hidden in the crowd. But that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But the thing is, physical growth ultimately stops. We never keep on growing physically. However, however, spiritual growth, you never stop growing. You never stop growing. So he says, increase, increasing in the knowledge of God. Physical growth stops, but spiritual growth, spiritual knowledge always keeps on, keeps on going. It never stops. There's always room to be closer to God. There's always room to, to grow more up here. This stuff that is called the gray matter under this bone called the skull, it can, it has capacity to hold a lot of information. Sometimes people say, oh, my head hurts because there's so much up there. I can't, I can't think anymore. And I, that, I never got to that place where it's so full of this. But uh, sometimes you can get um, to the point of you saying, I'm saturated. The sponge is full now. <laughs> can't take anymore. It's got to come out. And one of the things that is helpful is that when you learn stuff here, uh, or maybe even in your heart, uh, and you let it out, you have the capacity to get more in. So there's a taking in and giving out. So it, it can't be, it has to be a cycle. It can't just be all taking, taking, taking. When there is giving out, then you have more room to keep on growing. So you're going to stop growing physically, but there's all room for you to grow more and be more spiritual. Always room. People are older, I mean like 90. They, they still try to grow more spiritually. Uh, Brother Al Anger, who was uh, really good to me in the uh, early 70s, he, he was kind to me. He was not, he was not rough with me. He, he, uh, he, he let me make mistakes. And he was always like that. So I remember him very well because of those early days when I had contact with him. And uh, to this day, he's alive in a, um, a retirement home in Florida. He still tries to have a ministry with the scenes around him. He holds Bible studies. And he's always reading his Bible. He's still trying to grow more. That's a good example. And so no matter how old you become, you still want to keep on growing. But I finished high school. I know everything. You're just beginning, you child. Yes. <laughs> You're just beginning. I'm in the ninth grade. So what do you know about Columbus? Okay, good to know about Columbus. What do you know about Ponce de Leon? I know somebody him too. Oh, really? Oh, you know everything then, right? Well, just about. Well, no, there's room to grow still. And uh, first year in college, if you go to college, if people have gone to college, the freshmen always have a reputation of knowing it all. They don't know as much as a junior. A rookie football player doesn't know as much as a veteran football player. A mechanic who just got his first job doesn't know as much as a man who's been there for 30 years. There's room to grow. There's room to mature. And so increasing in the knowledge of God. And knowing the Lord helps you to know how to live better. You become a bit wiser. Number 11, or verse 11. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Here's what else Paul prayed for for the Colossians. He prayed that they would know uh, what God wants them to do. He wanted them to know the real motive for life is to live for Christ. He wanted them to know to be strong, you must always make room to grow more spiritually. And then he wants them to know this. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power. Now, what do you see in verse number 11? Strengthen with all might according to, according to his glorious power. What do you learn from that phrase? Verse 11, strengthen with all might. He wants you to be strong, 
He's actually saying you can be strong, you can be strengthened according to His glorious power. He wants you to learn. He wants you to pray like this. Pray that I will learn to depend on the Lord's strength and not my flesh. That's the lesson He wants you to learn. He's praying for the Colossians. Look, don't depend upon your arm of the flesh. Learn to depend on the Lord's strength. Strengthen with all might according to His glorious power. So He wants us to be strong, but in God's strength. When I am weak, when I'm weak, then I am strong. So all you boys do this. Do this. Do this. Make a, make a bicep uh, like that, okay? When I am weak, I'm strong. Meaning, when you're not depending on yourself, that, you're depending on God's arm of strength, you're strong. You can take on what you think you couldn't take on. You can carry what you think you couldn't carry. You can push what you think you couldn't push. You can lift what you think you couldn't lift. You can go farther than you think you could go. You go the extra mile because you're going in the Lord's strength. You bound up with wings as eagles. Mm -hmm. You can do what you think you cannot do. I had to laugh the other day because uh, Timothy was in a pool of water. It was a lot of fun, wasn't it, Timothy? And he swallowed some water. <coughs> he swallowed some water. And he was gagging. Everybody gags and swallow water. Because you're not supposed to swallow water like that. You're supposed to swallow air. <laughs> so he got water in him, and I just grabbed him. And I said, "It's okay. Everybody swallows water." And I, I just, you know, let's keep on playing football. And he did. And he was having a great time. He did something maybe, maybe would scare people, but he overcame that because he just kept on doing it. Now that's just a simple little thing to say. Sometimes when we swallow water problems or something like that, uh, it makes us choke. It makes us afraid to stay in the water. We want to get out of the water. We want to quit life. But he says, no, I want you to learn to depend on the Lord's strength and not your own strength. And when that happens, you can do what is almost impossible. Not fly, not fly. That is impossible for you to fly. But to do, to go through bad experiences, uh, okay, because it's not your strength you're leaning on, you're leaning on God's help. He wants you to learn to depend on the Lord's strength so he says, I'm praying for you that you be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. He says, when you pray for people, when you pray for others, Psalm 102, you're praying for yourself, but when you pray for other people, this chapter, pray that they'll be strengthened. Pray that they'll get strong. Pray that they will stay strong. Pray that they will go through, they will endure, they will, they will fight through, that they will not give up following Christ, that they will stay strong in him, keep their eyes upon him. Now, when you run in a race, especially a sprint, I don't know if you've ever ran in a sprint, but if you're running a sprint, here's what you do. Let me illustrate to you about staying strong and keeping your eyes on Christ when you are going through something. And keeping your eyes on Him is to stay, I'm trusting in strength. When you run in a race, it's so nervous because you have six or seven lanes, six or seven runners. They are, they're on a position to, on, the sequence is on your mark, get set, and then the gun goes off. Bang! Okay? By the way, do you know why Russian runners run real fast when they're in a race? It's because the Russian guys use real bullets. Run or else. Joke. On your mark. Get set. Go. Now, when they run, they begin looking down. But then as they start moving real fast, they begin to look up. You know what they're looking at? Guess what they're looking at? When they're running, like this, it's, it happens so fast. It goes, it's done so fast. 
These guys were running to win. They're running so fast. Their legs are moving so fast. When they're running, they're not looking over here. Not looking over here. They're not waving their crowds. Hey, auntie. Hi, uncle. Hey, thanks for coming out. You're going to lose the race. I'm so happy you came. Yeah, look, take my picture. <laughs> you're going to lose. Come in 500th place out of 10. So when you're running the race, you're looking at one thing. At the end of the the distance, I'll say 100 yards. At the end of the half, you have a tape, something that stretched across to tell the runners, that's my goal, to run past that tape. And if I get there by my chin or by my big toe, if I break the tape first, I'm going to win. So they run real fast looking at only one thing, looking at that tape. And looking at that goal line will help them to stay focused. No matter how tired they feel, if they feel they've got a cramp in their muscle, they're going to keep on running until they cross that line. They're looking at that tape. And that's what he's saying. He says, depend on my strength. Keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on the goal. What is your goal? To honor me, to glorify me. So you do your best. Even though you're, you're straining and you're exhausted, you think you can't go another 20 yards, you just keep on pushing because you're trusting him to, to help you through that. And so he wants to pray for you, and he wants them to pray like that, where you will uh, learn to depend on his strength. And then he says, unto all patience, in verse 11, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. With joy, unto all patience and long-suffering with all joyfulness. With joyfulness. Well, doesn't the Bible say, love beareth all things? Love beareth all things, which means love puts up with a lot of things. He wants you to be patient with people. And... That's hard to do sometimes. Be patient with people. Now there are a lot of conditions in being patient with people. Because some people, some people real hard to be patient with. But the Bible does say, as much as possible, live peacefully with all men. But there comes a place where it's not possible. He says, as much as it is possible. As much as it is possible. As much as it is possible. Sometimes it's not possible. So you do something else because it's not possible. But you don't give up so soon. You just live with them peaceably as long as it is possible, as, as much as it is in you. Well, it may not be in you, and so you do something else. But he wants you to bear all things. He wants you to be patient. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Um, uh, patient with people. Is there ever a time to say, you know what, I don't want to be a friend anymore? <laughs> Is there ever a time? Is there ever a time? Is there ever a time to say, you know, you're a bad neighbor. I'm not going to let my kids play with you anymore. You're a bad neighbor. Is there ever a time like that? You know what? You cannot hang around those kids because they're bad kids. Is there ever a time when that happens? Yes. Don't go in that neighborhood because those neighborhood has got some robbers and some criminals in the neighborhood. They don't obey the law in the neighborhood. Don't go in the neighborhood anymore. Is there ever a time for that? Or should you just say, well, I'll just be patient. Let them rob me. I just be patient and drive through there, let them, let them, when it comes to a stop sign, stop light, they approach my car and try to break into my car. Is there ever a time to be patient with that? No. So we have some conditions over here, but generally speaking, he says, I'm praying that you will be strength with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience, and long suffering with joyfulness. So you have to, case by case almost, without without picking and choosing what scripture wants to obey, you want to be careful. The, the principle is be patient with all people as much as it is possible, okay? But 
but there's also but there but don't go there first go there last the first thing is unto all patience and long suffering and all joyfulness love beareth all things first Corinthians 13 once again now look at verse number 12 as she prays for the Colossians it says these things and these are some things you can pray for for others and maybe for yourself verse 12 giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. What is she talking about? What is she saying? What is she trying to say? What is he communicating here about how we are praying for you? I'm, he says, I'm praying for you that in all things you give thanks in two ways. Number one, give thanks to God for the needs that he supplied for you. And number two, and number two, continuing to verse 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. There's two things to be thankful for in verses 12, 13, and 14. The first thing to be thankful for is for God. God is to be thanked because he met your needs and supplied your needs, and he also walked with you through experiences. Be thankful for that. Whatever they were, be thankful for that. Number two, especially be thankful for your personal salvation. Who hath delivered us, translated us, changed us, made us fit for the kingdom of his dear son. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So he says, be thankful. I'm praying that you be thankful. You Colossians are saved people. I want to tell you, I'm praying for you that you never stop being thankful for your personal salvation, especially Thank God for him meeting your needs. Thank God for many things in life. But most of all, never forget to thank God, especially for your personal eternal salvation. Never be forgetful of that, he's telling them. So when you pray for people, pray that they will also remember that they were once lost and now they're saved. They were once not saved. They're now saved. They were once headed to eventually to hell. Now they're eventually headed to heaven. He says, never forget that. And... Good advice, good good praying advice he gives to the Colossian Christians. And these things will help us to stay strong mm -hmm. and not not give up the ghost, not feel, feel, feel weary in well-doing. And so this is what Paul uh, prayed for, for the Colossians. And this is how we can pray too for others and for ourselves. And then couple that to Psalm 1 and 2. Pray for yourself. This is about praying for other people for these things. Okay? Any questions? Okay. Any comments? Any remarks? Any Q and A? You know how they do when these, these uh, guys who go around talking to college kids. Any questions? Well, a lot of the questions are not questions; they're just attacks. But uh, okay. All right. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the Word of God, and thank you for letting us remember that it's okay, it's good to pray these emergency prayers. Because sometimes we just need help immediately. There's no time to wait. Help has to come right now. And a lot of times, Lord, you come through for that. And that's a blessing to know that you're here and that you are aware of the different needs that we have and that you're quite able to reach down with your long, strong arms and hand to help. And then we are thankful for the, the outline we have about how we can pray for other people. So, Lord... May we be encouraged and strengthened because of what the Bible says. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if I can get you boys to help us take the chair out from the car and put it in the nursery, that would be real good.